Hey, welcome, Main Street Baptist Church and visitors from elsewhere across the globe because we are famous now. Josh Fail and I have started this podcast discussing Sunday Sermon, and it has taken off. We have over 8,000 subscribers now, uh, so share this video everywhere that you can. Um, and make sure that you friend us on all of the social medias, and uh, that's all a lie. But I've we, actually, I've actually already already reached my maximum friend capacity, so they can't friend me. <laughs> Have you? Is it like five thousand? Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Josh made it. He made it, and he's got the little check mark by his name now. Official, Josh right. Fail. You know. <laughs> no. Um, we are not famous, but we love the Bible. We want to talk about it. So thanks for coming. Hopefully you do too. Um, and uh, I was going to say too, you know, uh, we've get, gotten some good feedback. People seem to be watching these and enjoying them and commenting on the videos. Um, if you have any questions, I would love for you to let us know what they are so we can address them. Um, glad that you're tuning in and enjoying the videos, but you can be a part of the videos by asking a question. Uh, so go back and listen to Sunday Sermon. Uh, whether you're there in person or not, you can listen to it, whether you're a church member or not. Uh, if you have any questions about what was preached, uh, we can address those here. So, uh, and that will give Josh a little bit of freedom, not have to think too hard, um, or, or, you know, we can at least, he won't have to throw so many softballs for me. Um, but anyways, I appreciate you, Josh, doing this. Uh, we've done you know, probably, probably about 10 of these now. And uh, these have been fun. And I think they've been helpful for everybody. So I'm going to look at Genesis chapter 18, and then we will talk about it. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him, that's Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it, make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham had, and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. That was Sunday's text, two points just paralleling Abraham's faith with Sarah's faithlessness. I think it was faith abundant uh, in his serving of those strangers and faith abandoned in Sarah's hiding in the tent. Uh, and we saw Jesus in there as well in the supper. Um, 
and we had much good application. So hopefully we'll have some more tonight. Mr. Joshua, do you have any questions for me? I have a few. Um, so the, the one that I know everyone's dying to know is, will there be knock-knock jokes in heaven? Mm. Sure off with, the big, with a good knock-knock joke. That's a really good question. You know, the Lord does have a sense of humor when he named Isaac. You know, he laughs, right? So will there be any knock-knock jokes? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a hard pass and say, I don't know. <laughs> but it'd be cool if there was. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, that'd be pretty nice. Um, not sure uh, if those are the Lord's type of humor. I don't. I don't really see him as very, you know, slapstick comedy. Kind he's probably of. funnier than that. He's, he's probably funnier than <laughs> that. His jokes are far more advanced. Yeah, yeah. That's right. play. <laughs> it's pretty good. No, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so in the sermon, you um, the one the the first things that uh, I know there was some there was some talk about. Uh, was referring to the three men in the uh, passage and you gave some of the different views there yeah um from other you know theologians that you may have read and whatnot and so my question for you is why do you hold to the belief that you believe that the three men are angels and you yeah. got an apologetic question here sort of yeah and i'll say first of all if anybody holds to a um slightly different view it's not that big a deal right um you, you read commentaries and you're going to see different views. So it's okay for us to have different views and recognize that this is the same text um, and we can you know, still think well about it. Uh, it's a hard topic. Um, angels themselves, angelology is a hard topic. And the way God reveals himself to man can be a challenging topic, especially in the Old Testament, uh, because the times they have changed. So um, and Joey, I, I kind of, you know, he, he caught me after the sermon and he was like, well, man, you, you gave me a, a hard one to follow because he, he kind of sees that one a little bit different. Um, so I don't know if he'll share that or not. He, he didn't want to sound too contrary, but it's OK for Joey to have a different opinion about the angels here in this text. It's OK for Josh to have a different opinion. What's not OK is for us to um, have any uh, risque, heretical type views that are illogical and not um, thorough through our understanding of God, our understanding of angels, our understanding of Jesus. Um, so I believe they are three angels. They call themselves three men, or the text Moses records three men. Um, but uh, we already have an angel show up in uh, Abraham's dream uh, just a couple chapters ago, and we have Yahweh speaking through that angel. Uh, as well. And that doesn't seem to be as big a question because there wasn't this physical manifestation as there was here. We have these angels who are now knocking on the door, but still when they speak, it's the Lord who speaks. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we looked at the Hebrews 13 verse that says some have entertained angels unawares. Um, and I believe that was literally referring to Abraham who did that in Genesis chapter 18. Uh, so there's a big tell right there that they are angels. Uh, I also don't believe that God will manifest himself as a man, but one time, and that's through the son, Jesus Christ. That was the fullness of time. That was a special moment in history when God took on flesh. Before that, he did not have flesh. Uh, he is spirit, father, son, and spirit together. One God, three persons, um, but they are not separate in their 
modes in the way that they manifest themselves um, to the world. It, this is this is one God, and so the the talk of there being, you know, all three of the persons of God now manifesting themselves here is just really dangerous ground because then you've got you know the Spirit over there and Jesus over here and God over here, and they're you know buddy buddy, but they're physical different manifestations. That they've got to be one in the same. Um, yet, you know, they, they're different persons, uh, but not different beings. A different human looks like a, that, that's too close to being a different being, right? Um, so uh, I don't think it's a trinity, um, and, and I, I don't think Jesus was there, like some have said, because Jesus came into the world once, and he came as a man once. Um, you know, you have texts like uh, Jacob who wrestles with God later in the book of Genesis, right? Literally wrestles with God. Is this, is this God, uh, some kind of manifestation, or is this an angel? Uh, I think in that text too, you know, once I study it, I may change my mind, but I think that's an angel as well. Um, so anyways, that's, that's uh, my take on it. I, I think um, it keeps it simple. We don't have to confuse things or get in cloudy water that makes us borderline heretics. Um, I think the New Testament interprets it for us that they're angels, uh, and that's where I feel most comfortable. So again, if you see something a little bit different, um, like Joey does, uh, this is like a theophany, um, God revealing himself a little bit differently, um, that, that's okay. Uh, and this isn't salvific issue. This isn't, um, you know, you're, you're doing a bad job interpreting the Bible if you think differently. Um, it's, it's tough. And, and, and one thing we all agree on is that God doesn't do this anymore. <laughs> God doesn't reveal himself uh, in these ways um, like he did in the Old Testament. We don't, and I, I put this in, our, in our, our newsletter, our bulletin, you know, we don't need audible voices from God. We don't need physical manifestations of his glory. For one, we couldn't handle it because of the depth of our sin. Um, and two, uh, God has written a book for us and he's given the spirit who is now in us. Uh, Christ has won um, the spirit to indwell within us so that we can be his temple and we can know him through the spirit and through his word. And his word speaks to us still today uh, through these already recorded scriptures. Um, if you want God to speak, right? You want to hear the Lord, then read the Bible out loud, right? So, so you read the Bible out loud, you get to hear God speak. Um, so, and that's why we believe God is speaking on Sundays when we preach the Bible, we preach his word. So that's his uh, manifestation of himself uh, today. Mm -hmm. It's called, well, you, we, we, never mind. We, we don't get into that. Um, so there's uh, a little bit on Revelation, why I believe that they're just angels. And just angels? Come on. It was still awesome that angels showed up. <laughs> why is that any less? You know? Yeah. Anyways. And, uh, yeah, that's good. And, um, you know, just for anyone who's listening, you might want to do, if you want to do more study on this, then you can look up what he, uh, Dale mentioned, theophanies. You can look up theophanies or you can look up Christophanies. Um, both of those terms are good study if you wanted to look more into it. Um, there's a lot of good reading out there. It's always a good thing to be studying and learning. Yeah. So uh, I encourage that for sure. That's good. Um, so um, you said that this text demands hospitality. I did say that. So uh, yeah, I don't have to, we don't have to cringe at it. It's a good statement, right? Mm -hmm. the, the text demands hospitality. And you mentioned about the uh, the church's failure. I mean, this might have been a quote. I can't don't remember if it's a quote or if you said it. But you know, this is the reason we have inns and shelters and all these different things. Um, it's because the church has failed, yeah. um, which I think is a very very good statement. 
Um, so my question to you is, um, how do you think the church has failed in the past and is currently failing now um, in this area of hospitality in the sense of, of um, uh, being, you know, one who takes care of, of widows and, and, and orphans and, you know, the poor and all those kind of things where are we neglect that uh, so often? Where we have to have like, you know, governmental programs to do that stuff because the church isn't doing it. Right. Yeah, it's a complicated issue. And this is something also people disagree upon. Uh, but the quote was John Calvin um, on Genesis 18. And uh, I thought it was such a good quote. Um, if I had it quick, I could pull it up. But um, <clears throat> he, he did say that the plethora of inns were a a tell that the church has sort of failed in hospitality. Uh, and I think that that's a great point, right? Um, I mean, even, you know, in those biblical days, uh, you know, Jesus was denied a room at the inn. Uh, but in many cases, they would stop in towns and look for, you know, somebody's home to stay at. Um, it was a very, very different day, very different culture. And so that, that that's, for one, you know, our, our culture has just changed. It's not commonplace for us to think about staying in another person's home, although Airbnbs are coming back, but not much hospitality there as it is business. Um, or uh, what are they? There's another one where you literally like stay in somebody's bedroom, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so how has the church failed in those ways? Uh, well, I think I, I should answer broadly um, in case anybody thinks I'm talking about main street you have failed you don't love people you know you're you don't love the homeless you don't love the widow and the orphan um universal. huh i said right the church universal the church, church universal yeah yeah so I, I think at large the majority of evangelicalism is very self-absorbed um we tend to be the biggest hypocrites in that we love comfort over following jesus and um comfort does not let people come to your house you know a personal comfort and putting up boundaries um, makes it very difficult for you to give generously to people who are in need um, the incredible problem of foster care could be solved in a night in a night if the church would volunteer you know uh, we, we love to talk about abortion and how terrible it is and 50 million babies that are killed every year. Right. That I think that's right. 50 million or billion. Uh, I think it's millions, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like 50 million. Yeah. So, so we talk about that so much. Um, and then we've got these orphans who are going from house to house, to house, to house, to house, to house, to house, and never being adopted, never having, you know, Christian family to, to, to show them Christ and being tossed to and fro in the, the government, system um oh my goodness if if the if the church you know if, if there were i can't remember what the statistic is but if there was just a handful of people from every church that did foster care the foster care organization would die right? it would be gone and uh and it's it's amazing to think about and i'm not saying everybody has to go start fostering children but it maybe should be something you should pray about you know if uh, if you're retired you're older kids have, have left the nest um there's nothing wrong with giving yourself to a few years of a child's life and showing them Jesus. That's a great thing to do. Um, so that, that's just one way. Um, 
obviously, I, I think uh, there is a, a terrible stigma uh, in the South I could address, especially with false hospitality. We think we're hospitable, right? We use the words honey and we use the words uh, sugar baby or whatever. Um, <laughs> and we, we clothe it in, in like we actually care about people. But then we go home and we don't think about them for weeks, you know? We don't think about it for months. We're not praying for one another. We're not having people into our homes. We, we want to keep our front door locked. Um, not to mention our, our bedroom guns locked and loaded because we're, we're so scared of people coming anywhere near our home, you know? So that's not a, that's not a ploy against anybody who carries guns. Just, it's just the way we are, you know, we, we care more about personal comfort and security than we do loving strangers, sojourners, and, and people who need Jesus, um, people who are among us. So, um, those that's just a, a little bit of a rant <laughs> that I really answered the question as much as I did just complain. I need to do better. We all need to do better. Um, I think every church member at our church specifically should work up to, even though it's coronavirus right now, and, and I maybe should have given more grace Sunday. Uh, I wanted you to hear the word though, regardless of the cultural climate. Um, I think every single church member should work up to being comfortable having somebody in their home every once in a while doesn't have to be a big elaborate dinner like Abraham prepared, but just to have someone over one person and just make coffee for them or sweet tea, for goodness sakes, y'all sweet tea drinking people, um, <laughs> make some sweet tea and sit on the front porch even and just, just, you know, pray with, with each other, or just talk, catch up with each other's lives. Um, you know, I think that would be a good goal for every church member to work up to. Um, and uh, if, if, if you need to start a little bit smaller, just, um, taking a walk with someone, right? Going to the park um, and just inviting someone out, just thinking about another person and trying to, to actively pursue a relationship there. Um, so anyways, just a few thoughts. We don't want anybody in our church to be left out. Uh, we want visitors to be particularly welcome. You know, uh, personally, I think after three or four weeks, you visited our church, you, you should have already had at least, or maybe I'll say I'll give it, I'll give him a bigger cushion, two months, right? Two months. If you haven't had two or three people ask or, or at least talk about getting together outside of church, something's wrong, right? If you're a visitor at a church, you've been there visiting for two months now, and you haven't had at least two or three people come up to you and say, hey, we should do lunch. We should get together outside of church and we should want to get to know you guys better. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. So we need to, we need to be mindful of that um, as we represent Christ to, to others. So anyways, right. yeah, that's good. And, um, you know, I was thinking about just uh, historically, I mean, think about the first century when it comes to, um, you know, the church, you know, we're talking about the church failing and that's why you have so many inns and shelters, all these kind of things. I mean, think about the first century, like Christians were the ones who went out at nighttime and went and, and, and scoured through all the garbage to find the babies that the, the pagans put on the street. Mm. Like and and the, historically, orphanages have been opened by Christians mm. and started by Christians. Um, you know, of course, that's you know long gone past by now. Right. And we don't we don't really you know. It, it's sad that it has because I think that we have um, we have put off any kind of social responsibility in that kind of in that kind of sense. Mm. So I think that's just important to, to recognize. Uh, the um, true religion is 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 caring for the orphans and the widows, caring for the, the vulnerable and, and, you know, loving, loving people the best can and serving them. And if that's an outworking of the gospel and what Christ has done, 
uh, in us and for us. Right. Uh, we're pouring that out as an overflow um, in everything that we do. That's right. Yeah, I'm getting a little, I saw you get a little nervous uh, sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you kind of addressed my other question I had. Uh, so I'll kind of skip it, which was more about his hospitality within the church. Because mm-hmm. um, that question is more about hospitality and showing it in such a way that affects outside the church. Um, right. But maybe you can address, you know, God's patience with us um, in being hospitable. And, you know, how that leads leads us to repentance and also just being aware of his patience there. Right. Yeah, that's a good word to talk about. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, Mariana commented after the sermon um, to me, you know, I, I didn't realize this was a big as a point is it hit her. Maybe it hit others as well. Uh, but just the fact that, you know, we spend time waiting, we feel like on the Lord to come through over a certain affliction that we are struggling with or, or some type of personal help or, or growth in an area. Uh, and we feel like we have to wait on him. And, and the biggest challenge is us waiting on the Lord's timing. Um, but we rarely think that the Lord is actually being patient towards us. Uh, we're, we're the ones that he's waiting on in the sense that, you know, in Abraham and Sarah's story, um, he cared more about their sanctification in the quickest, most efficient way to build a nation, Right. He wanted to see them towards repentance, which is why I quoted that second Peter verse that he's not slow uh, to keep his promises as some think he is. You know, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. He desires all to reach that point of repentance and conviction. And so um, it, it took those 25 years for, for Sarah, especially to, to come to that point of, of realization in her own, her own heart, her own depravity. that She really distrusted the Lord deeply and the lord was incredibly patient for 25 years not to ruin her not to punish her not to just give up and go to someone else and so god is incredibly patient uh with us um where we think we are um just waiting on him to get through a a specific pain or, or trial or something uh usually the lord is calling us towards repentance um and I think the, the sooner we, we turn from that thing we want to be true and just see God as the great gift, right? That's where repentance begins. I've loved this thing more than I've loved God. And, and that's what Sarah had found. You know, I, she distrusted him. She didn't believe in his power. She did not believe in El Shaddai. And so if we turn from those idols that we put in our hearts and trust in the God all, Almighty who has all the might um, and, and see his gospel as, as precious to us again, and there's no greater gift than Christ dying for our sins and that we have eternal life, which will help us sing better, by the way, by the way right? Um, then, I mean, we, we won't be feel so impatient and waiting. We'll realize the Lord's been the one waiting the whole time for us to reach repentance. Uh, and repentance is something we need to make a, a regular practice of anyway. It will make the waiting far more bearable if we realign our focus from ourselves back to God. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a good question. Yeah. Patience is something we, we talk about for ourselves a lot, but never as much from God's perspective. Yeah. And God is definitely a patient God. And uh, we, we would be, we would do well to never uh, mistake his patience um, as some kind of pass in our sin. Yeah. Um, but to realize that his, his patience towards us is the least repentance. And of course, um, you know, his patience is, is just, you can't even fathom his patience when you look at the cross. I mean, right. God is a patient God. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Um, 
all that he has in, endured from the sinfulness of man against him from the creation right. of the world and will and you know and from us personally i mean we we spit in god's face so often mm -hmm. uh, and yet he is so patient to us and um it's just an amazing truth and then of course he continues to be patient until he return until he returns yeah yep. i mean he's just a patient god so. and that does help us to pursue patience with other people when we don't want to forgive or somebody has wronged us, uh, oh, we think about the patience of God with us. Uh, you know, we <laughs> hopefully our hearts will be softened towards the enemies in our lives and uh, we'll be able to practice patience better. Uh, well, that's that's good stuff, Josh. It's good stuff. Hey, I got a question. Um, okay. Didn't you know, I feel like Jay Poole shares this all the time. We need to have him on here sometime. Um his dad was a preacher and he said, and so was his granddaddy. Right. And he said, like every Sunday growing up, they didn't go home after church. They was going to somebody's house because somebody was going to have the preacher over for a chicken dinner, like every single Sunday. And I just want to say it, where's my chicken dinner. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm preaching on hospitality. Y'all can't get a bigger hint. You know, I mean, do I have to spell it out for you? Where is my chicken dinner? Um, no, I'm just picking. But it does show that the times have changed, right? Um, we, we rush out the door instead of sticking around. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I, I, we want to have people over. We want to go to people's houses. We want to be more involved in that, which is why, wink, wink, uh, we are praying and um, strategizing uh, about starting small groups with our replant team. And so, Lord willing, small groups will be something that happens in our future, which where we have folks planted throughout the county who are meeting in one another's homes and are pouring into one another's lives and getting to know each other better, being more relational, staying connected 24-7. You know, that's something we want to see more of. So that's a, that's a big hope we have for, uh, for our future. It's something uh, you guys can be praying about yourselves and getting ready for. Well, this has been great. You got something, Josh? I'll say right before we leave, Dale, you done you jinxed yourself now because see last time you left, I got a cookie. And now you're saying this the week before Joey preaches. So he's pretty <laughs> You're saying Joey's gonna get a chicken dinner? He's gonna get the chicken dinner this week. Yep. No. I guess I had it coming to me. Yeah, I should have waited next week. I'm 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 not I'm not gonna be the one giving him the chicken dinner though. Somebody else. I'm just joking. Right. <laughs> well, this has uh, gone off the rails. All right, let me pray for us. We'll be done. Uh, Lord, thank you for being so kind to us and patient to us. Thank you for your word and how it speaks to us, how it uh, gets deep into the nooks and crannies of our souls and reveals different sins. Pray that we would feel um, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to practice hospitality and generosity, also to repent and to put off um, those selfish sins that keep us hidden in a tent. Uh, help us to move forward in grace that you have given your son for us, and that is enough, and we could never be as hospitable as you were to us in sending your son, Jesus, um, but uh, we, are, we are motivated and, and emboldened by what you've done for us to, to do uh, what we can um, for the church, for the believers among us, and also for the unbelievers, uh, so that the picture of the gospel can be seen 
throughout the whole county. I uh, pray that you would replant our church and continue to apply the word in our lives that we might meditate on it both day and night for your glory. Thanks uh, for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Bye.